0: Good morning. Good, morning. good morning, it's good to be back with all of you, a good week, visiting family and doing some fun activities together. Uh, there is something that uh, we announced to each of our families this past week that I wanted to share with all of you this morning, and that is that, is that we are expecting a baby in November. Yay! Thank you, thank you. We're, we're excited about it as well, and, and it's not that we're trying to catch up to David and Stephanie, <laughs> although it looks like that, but no. Our children are a blessing from the Lord, and uh, yeah, we would appreciate your prayers for us in the coming months. <clears throat> uh, before we get into our text for this morning, I want to draw our attention once again to the uh, 30 Days of Prayer for the Muslim World booklets. Uh, There are still a few back there, so if you haven't picked one up, you can do so. Uh, We've been making our way through them, Uh, but if you've uh, fallen behind like our family has, uh, that's all right. The month of Ramadan may have ended this past week, but uh, the Muslims around the world can still use our prayer. And so before we begin, I wanted to take a moment to uh, to pray uh, for the muslim world let's let's bow for prayer heavenly father as uh, muslims set their hearts to worship their god allah we pray uh, that you might make them to know you the only true god and jesus christ whom you have sent help them to see that jesus is your eternal son through whom they can have eternal life Uh, we pray that they will have the eyes of their hearts opened to jesus who said i'm the light of the world whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life we pray that you would show them jesus who promised i'm the bread of life Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Help them see the insufficiency of their works and lead them to hunger and thirst for the righteousness that only comes through Jesus. We pray that you, they would find true rest in Jesus who said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. We pray that you would show them Jesus, who, though he was rich, yet for our sake became poor, so that by his poverty we might become rich. Help them see and treasure the eternal glory of your Son. We pray that you would show them Jesus, who invites sinners of all sorts to abandon their false gods and by faith join those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Show them the resurrected and ascended King of glory, who desires them to draw near to him in faith. We pray that you would give your church love for Muslims across the world. Make us like Jesus who had compassion on them because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. Guard us against self-righteousness that would lead us to have hard hearts toward those who do not know you. We pray that you would give your church opportunity and courage to proclaim the gospel to Muslims throughout the world. Lift our eyes to Jesus, who promised to empower us when he said, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let us not fear any consequence of faithfully taking the gospel to those who desperately need your grace. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 28. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a Bible under the road chairs in front of you. Genesis chapter 28 is where we're going to be for our time together this morning. Follow along with me as I read for us Genesis 28 beginning in verse 1. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him. You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Arise, go to Paddan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father. And take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you. That you may become a company of peoples. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away. And he went to Padan Aram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's and Esau's mother. Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Paddan Aram to take a wife from there and that as he blessed him he directed him you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women and that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and gone to Padan Aram. So when Esau saw that the Canaanite women did not please Isaac his father Esau went to Ishmael and took, his, took as his wife besides the wives he had Mahalath the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nabayoth. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you, And your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of that of the city was Luz at the first. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my Father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of, all that I get, and of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. May God bless the reading of his word. Back in Genesis 15, God brought Abraham outside to look toward heaven and to count the stars as a way of illustrating for Abraham how numerous his offspring would be. And under these same stars, Jacob prepared now to go to sleep. He was weary. The sun had set on his long day of travel. Yet it was not simply the journey that wearied Jacob. You see, Jacob was now an exile. He was forced to leave the tents of his father, Isaac. He didn't know if he would ever see his old blind father again. He didn't know if he would ever see his mother, Rebecca, again. After all, it was Rebecca who organized the elaborate deception to Get Jacob the blessing. Before her children were born, God had said to her that the older shall serve the younger. Esau would serve Jacob. But then Isaac had announced that he was going to give the blessing to Esau, to the oldest. And Isaac sent Esau out to hunt for wild game, the wild game that he loved. And after enjoying dinner with his son, he would then give him the blessing. While Rebecca, remember, took immediate action. She ordered Jacob to bring her two goats from the flock. And then she would cook them to her husband's taste. Then Jacob would impersonate Esau. He wouldn't be able to to disguise his voice. But his arms could be made authentically hairy as Jacob wrapped them in goat skin the deception was successful right? Isaac's suspicions were put to rest by Jacob's ready lies Jacob you see would do almost anything to get the blessing even taking God's name in vain when his father Isaac asked him how he had found the game so quickly Jacob replied because the Lord your God granted me success I'll finally, convinced Isaac pronounced on Jacob the blessing that God had given to Abraham and to so the line of, of God's promise. Jacob now had what he wanted, what he had deceived his father to gain. But what did he have, really? Esau was furious and was looking for an opportunity to kill Jacob. Jacob is now running for his life. Away from Esau, yes, but also away from his parental home, and more importantly, away from the promised land where Esau, interestingly enough, still dwells. It seems like Jacob is more cursed than blessed in this moment maybe this is how we feel sometimes. When a loved one dies, or when we're going through financial trouble, or when we're dealing with an illness, or when we're going through a family conflict, or when we're caught up in a particular sin, it can sometimes feel like we are forsaken by God. Can sometimes feel like we are exiles, running for our lives. But what we see in our text is that the Lord will be with His people wherever they go. The Lord will be with His people wherever they go. So that's going to be our our theme throughout the this passage. Look! Look at verse ten. It says that Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. Haran uh, is the place from where the Lord had called his grandfather Abraham. So he's he's going to a familiar place. Uh, But it's it's while on his journey to Haran, which would have taken hundreds of miles and and many days to get to, uh, verse 11 says that Jacob came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. By using the word place three times in these verses, Moses is underscoring this place's significance. You see, without knowing it, Jacob had arrived at the place where his grandfather Abraham, upon reaching the promised land, had built an altar to the Lord. And you can read about that in in Genesis 12, verse 8. But Jacob has never met this God. He had certainly heard from his parents and his grandparents as they talked about Yahweh, the Lord. But Jacob had never personally met him. That is, until now. Jacob... Just so happens upon this place, although we we know it's not by accident. The sun has set and darkness makes further travel impossible. And so under the stars, Jacob he puts a a stone under his head as a pillow and he lays down and, and goes to sleep. And then he dreams. And this is no ordinary dream. No, the God who spoke to the forefathers of old in various ways, Hebrews 1 verse 1 says, was revealing himself to Jacob. In his dream, Jacob sees a ladder or a stairway. As the Hebrew word can also mean. Set up on the earth and the top of it reached To heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. What an incredible dream. Jacob may well have known about the ziggurat towers that had been built in Mesopotamia, the land that actually his grandfather Abraham was born. These structures supported stone stairways that led up towards heaven. One commentator notes that archaeologists tell us that the steps of the stairway were too high for human use. They were, of course, designed for the gods. At the top of the ziggurat was a small shrine, and at the bottom was a larger temple. The shrine at the top of the ziggurat represented the heavenly dwelling of the god. The god could then descend the great steps to visit his temple below. This is the kind of thing that likely the builders of Babel attempted to construct, a tower with its top in the heavens. But of course, man's tower could not reach heaven. However, the the stairway tower of Jacob's dream was God's answer to the Tower of Babel. The top of it did reach to heaven, you see, because God was the builder, not man. Look at verse 13. Jacob sees not just a ladder set up on the earth with its tower in the heavens and the angels of God ascending and descending on it, but he also sees the Lord standing above it. The focus of his dream here is on God. Now, the Hebrew word here can can mean either that God stood above the ladder or beside Jacob. Commentators vary. They say it can go either way. But what matters here is that the Lord himself is in the midst of all of this angelic activity. He is the Lord who is sending them out and receiving them back. God alone is the link Here between heaven and earth. In John chapter 1, you don't have to turn there, but in John chapter 1, Jesus refers to this dream of Jacob. When Philip brings Nathanael to Jesus, Jesus says to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asks, How how do you know me? Jesus answers, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Well, in that moment, Nathanael exclaims, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. And Jesus responds, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Here, Jesus refers to Jacob's dream of heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending. But notice that the ladder is missing. Jesus says that the angels are ascending and descending upon what? Upon the Son of Man. That is, upon Jesus. Jesus is saying that he himself is the ladder. Jesus is the link between heaven and earth. As Jesus will later claim in John chapter 14, verse 6 I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way to God. David Platt, a pastor of McLean Bible Church, shared about a conversation he was having outside of a a Buddhist temple in Indonesia with a Buddhist leader, and a Muslim leader. He said that these men were discussing how all religions are fundamentally the same and only superficially different. One of the men said, we may have different views about small issues, but when it comes down to essential issues, each of our religions is the same. Platt listened for a while, and then they asked him what he thought. And here's what he said. He said, it sounds as though you both picture God or whatever you call God at the top of a mountain. It seems as if you believe that we are all at the bottom of the mountain and I may take one route up the mountain. You may take another route up the mountain. And in the end, we'll end up in the same place. They smile. And replied, exactly, you understand. Then he leaned in and said to them, now, let me ask you a question. What would you think if I told you that the God at the top of the mountain actually came down to where we are? What would you think if I told you that God doesn't wait for people to find their way to him, but instead he comes to us? They thought about that for a moment. And responded, Well, that would be great. <laughs> and he said that, Let me introduce you to Jesus. Let me introduce you to Jesus. You see, true religion doesn't come from man's quest to God, but from God's quest to man. Rebellious mankind cannot and does not seek. The Lord. Instead, it is the Lord who seeks out rebellious mankind. God, who called to Adam and Eve as they hid themselves in the garden, who instructed Noah to build the ark, who called Abraham to leave his father's house, this same God took the initiative with Jacob. In Romans 9, the Apostle Paul reminds us that God chose Jacob and not Esau, though they were not yet born and had done nothing, either good or bad. Therefore, we can conclude that that Jacob had absolutely nothing to boast of. His choosing was not on him, it was entirely of God. And thus, the dream must have absolutely terrified Jacob After all, he had just deceived his old blind father. He had used the Lord's name in vain. And now the Lord meets him. Will the Lord punish him for his evil deeds? Will the Lord curse him for what he has done? No. Instead, the Lord blesses Jacob with rich promises. In verse 13, the Lord declares to Jacob, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and in you all, in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Just before Jacob had left, his father Isaac sent him away with uh, what he called the the blessing of Abraham. And what was the blessing of Abraham? Back in Genesis chapter 12, the Lord promised Abraham three things. I'll make of you a great nation. I'll give you the land of Canaan. I will bless all the families of the earth through you, right? Offspring, land, and blessing. Threefold blessing. Blessing of Abraham. But if you look back at verses 3 to 4, Isaac says to Jacob, God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and and multiply you, that you may become a, a company of peoples. So we got offspring. May he give you the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. There's the land. So we see that Isaac sent Jacob away with two of the three elements of the blessing of Abraham, offspring and land. But here, God himself not only repeats those elements, but adds the third, blessing. God promises that, that the nations would be blessed through Jacob and his descendants. It wasn't just a promise for, for Abraham or for Isaac or for Jacob. It was a, a blessing for all. People. this is amazing in spite of jacob's behavior god has chosen jacob and his descendants to be the means whereby god would bless the world these rich promises first given to abraham and, and then to isaac are now for jacob and it is completely god's initiative Jacob has done absolutely nothing to deserve God's covenant promises. In fact, he's messed up quite badly. Like so many before him, he has tried so hard to grasp God's blessings for himself. And look at where it's got him. Exile. You you think of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And how they, they grasped the fruit that they were not supposed to. They they grasped this this knowledge of good and evil for themselves. What what did they receive? They received exile. They were exiled from from their promised land, the Garden of Eden. One cannot grasp and take God's blessings. One can only receive them from God's generous hand. It's, It's all God's grace but then God isn't finished speaking. I mean, that, that's incredible enough, but then, then it gets better, right? He, God has a, a special promise for Jacob. In verse 15, God says, behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Uh, above all, the Lord pledges his very own presence with Jacob. As one commentator put it, the God of the past and of the future will be God, Jacob's God in the present. God would be with him. God would keep him. And unlike Cain, who would, he would be a fugitive for the rest of his life. God would bring Jacob back to the land of promise. What God has promised to do, he will do. Jacob can count on it. And the best part is that God's promises are pure grace. Jacob has has messed up his life with his ambitions and his deceit and his lying and and using the the Lord's name to, to cover over his deceit. Jacob deserves God's curse. And instead, God comes to him with wonderful promises and with no conditions attached. The Lord has promised to to give Jacob the land that he's lying on, to make Jacob's descendants as numerous as the dust of the earth, and to make Jacob a a blessing to all the families of the earth, and, and that he will never leave Jacob nor forsake him. But notice that when Jacob wakes up from his dream, He doesn't stand on the height and survey the land that is his. Nor does he think about the bride that that certainly must be awaiting awaiting him in, in Haran. Instead, what does he do? Jacob says to himself in verses 16 to 17, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know. How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Just like Adam, after his sin of disobedience, hears God walking in the garden of Eden and is afraid. So also Jacob, after his deceit involving his brother and his father, sees God standing before him and is afraid. When the prophet Isaiah received a glimpse of the Lord God, he said, what was me? For I am lost. For I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah 6 verse 5 says. And here, here Jacob, the sinner, has seen the Lord of hosts. And he concludes that this place is the house of God and the gate of heaven. This is the place where heaven and earth are connected. And so at daybreak, Jacob, he gets up, he takes a stone that he'd used as a pillow and he sets it up as a memorial. He consecrates the stone with, with oil as a, as a shrine to the Lord. And then Jacob makes a vow. In verse 20, he says, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me the bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Now from these verses, it sounds like Jacob is bargaining with the Lord, right? You know, if God will do this, then I will do this. It sounds like Jacob is trying to strike a deal with God. Right after God has given Jacob unconditional promises. (laughs) But what Jacob is doing here is he's making a traditional vow to the Lord. One commentator writes, Vows were not made to induce God to do something he was not willing to do. They were made to bind the worshiper to the performance of some acknowledged duty. Jacob made his vow on the basis of what God had guaranteed to do. He was thus taking God at his word and binding himself to reciprocate with his own dedication. In other words, Jacob is saying, if God will be with me and will return me safely to the promised land, as he has just promised, then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone that I have set up as a memorial shall be God's house. And of all that God gives me, I will surely give one-tenth to him. Since God has promised this, Jacob's saying, I will do this. But in Jacob's vow, notice the central theme. God's promise of his presence and protection. If God will be with me and will keep me. That's what all of this is hinging on. And it's a promise that God will repeat later to Jacob in Genesis 31 verse 3. Where God says, To Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. And again, when Jacob is old and decides to bring his whole family to Egypt, God promises, I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will bring you up again. The Lord promises to be with Jacob wherever he goes. Israel would also become recipients of these same promises. The promise of God's presence would become part of the priestly blessing pronounced over the Israelites. The Lord bless you and and keep you. Number six, verse 24. When the kingdom of Judah was fearful of being annihilated by its enemies, God gave them a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah 7, verse 14. Emmanuel means God with us. Even when the Lord punishes Israel's sins with an exile of their own in Babylon, he promises in Isaiah 41, verse 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand what a promise this promise of God being with his people is ultimately fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ Matthew announces the birth of Jesus by quoting from Isaiah 7 behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew 1, verse 23. And before Jesus ascends to heaven, he promises his followers, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Matthew 28, verse 20. Like Jacob and and like Israel, Christ's followers are sojourners and exiles. First Peter 2 verse 11 says, we're seeking the city that is to come, the city of God, Hebrews 13 verse 14 says. But just as God promised Jacob and Israel that he would be with them wherever they go, so also Jesus promises his church that he will be with us wherever we go. And because Jesus is the connection between heaven and earth, between God and humanity, we can have the assurance that we are never alone. A few weeks ago, we sang the hymn, How Sweet and Awful. It's not awful as in dreadful. It's awful as in full of awe. Here are the lyrics to that hymn. says, how sweet and awful is the place with Christ within the doors, while everlasting love displays the choicest of her stores. While all our hearts and all our songs join to admire the feast, each of us cry with thankful tongues, Lord, why was I a guest? Why was I made to hear thy voice and enter while there's room? when thousands make a wretched choice and rather starve than come. T'was the same love that spread the feast that sweetly drew us in, else we had still refused to taste and perished in our sin. Pity the nations, O our God, constrain the earth to come. Send thy victorious word abroad and bring the strangers home. We long to see thy churches full, that all the chosen race may with one voice and heart and soul sing thy redeeming grace. Sometimes we may feel forsaken by God. Sickness and death and conflict and hardship can sometimes make us feel like we are running for our lives or like we are out in the open, alone. But the good news from our text is that we are never alone. The Son of Man, Jesus Christ, came down from heaven so that he might be lifted up, first on the cross, and then to the right hand of the throne of God the Father, from where he will one day come to take us up, that stairway, and into the presence of our God forever and ever. Church, Jesus Christ is the true Bethel, the house of God, Emmanuel, God with us. We come to the Father through him, heaven stands open through him, and he has promised to go with us on our journey to the true and better promised land, the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. If we do not yet know this Jesus, then it is time, maybe even today, to start getting serious about him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gate of heaven, clothed in human flesh fully God and fully man, very God of very God, true light of true light, Jesus Christ. And we pray that as we fix our eyes on him, as we focus on him this Sunday and every Sunday, we can say, surely the Lord is in this place. Reveal yourself to those here who do not yet know you, And encourage those and comfort those of us here who do know you in our pilgrim journey. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.